Well, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to be here and to be able to uh, share, with, share something with you uh, this evening about the unstoppable God who we serve, the unstoppable God who we love. Um, so I'll crack right on. Um, this evening, we are going to be looking, uh, we're following on from where Ken left off this morning. So Ken left us off um, at the end of John chapter 4, so we're going to be kicking off um, at the beginning of John chapter 5. So the words will be up on the screen. However, if you do have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open them um, and see if you can spot the almost deliberate mistake. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so let me start. Uh, so John chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mats and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mats and walked. So what I want to do this evening, I want to travel through this passage a little bit and, and see what we can draw out and see what we can learn. Firstly about Jesus, the character of Jesus, and secondly what we can learn about healing. So here it is. We've, we've got the scene set for us. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's there. He's celebrating um, one of the Jewish festivals. Um, and while he's there, he goes to what we can imagine to be a pretty unusual sort of a place. In fact, the scene that, that is set straight away is one of the first things that struck me about this passage, because it would have been, it would have been quite a sight. All around what we can imagine to be some sort of a swimming pool, maybe, there were loads and loads of people just lying there with physical disabilities. People who couldn't walk, people who were paralysed, maybe partially, maybe totally, uh, and there were those who were blind. I mean, all of that desperation, all of that desperation concentrated in one place, and they weren't there to see a medical doctor. It seems that these people were congregating for healing. Now, the bit I alluded to earlier, the little, little, the little interesting thing about this passage. In the Bible that you might have in front of you, or not, um, you might notice that verse 4 isn't there. isn't there in the main body of the text. Um, and the reason for that is that this verse um, isn't included in all of the ancient manuscripts that we have for John's Gospel. It's in some of them, but it's not in the oldest ones, which are deemed to be the most accurate. But... Um, what verse 4 does for us, it gives us a really good indication of why, really why, these people were here. So let me read from verse 3. It should be back up on the screen. Um, I'll read from verse 3 and I'll read verse 4 as well this time. So, here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralysed. And they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool, after each such disturbance, would be cured of whatever disease they had. So all of these people were lying around this pool because it had a reputation for healing. It was because every once in a while, an angel stirred the waters up, and whoever raced into the water first would be healed. 
So that obviously, that would obviously draw many, many sick people from miles around to its edges to wait in the hope that one day they would be the lucky one who would be healed. And, and I guess it's quite easy to imagine that for many of the people around here with these sorts of physical disabilities, this may well have been their last hope. And, and that's certainly got to be the case with the man that we're introduced to. He's been an invalid, he's been physically unwell, disabled for, for 38 years. 38 years, that's, that's nearly four decades. That's 10 years longer than I've been alive. Um, and so... <laughs> Yeah, same for everyone. Um, you can imagine that over those years, this guy probably would have spent a lot of time, probably a lot of money, any money that he has, and a lot of emotional energy hoping for cures to his illness and his disability. You can imagine he would have probably tried everything he could have done. But those other things obviously didn't work. So he found himself here, lying at the side of a pool, among loads of other people who are in a similarly dis desperate situation, who may have been through very, very similar things, they're all there with little or no hope, just a slim hope of maybe jumping, out, jumping into the pool um, when the water was stirred up. So just, just this first little bit, this first little bit where the scene is set, tells us something about Jesus. It shows us that Jesus' heart is for broken people. It tells us all about his compassion. Jesus chooses to go to this man. He was there. He was in Jerusalem for a festival. He was there to go and celebrate. He could have gone up to the centre of Jerusalem, to the temple, and celebrated the festival with, with hordes of other people. But no. He moves towards this man in need. He moves towards this guy who was hopeless. And he brings hope. In, in Luke chapter 4, um, we find Jesus quoting from a place in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 60, um, at the beginning, right, and this is right at the beginning of his ministry. Um, and here he's setting out pretty much what he's all about. He's telling people, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so let me, re let me read from that verse. It's from Luke chapter 4, start at verse 18. Again, it'll be up on the screen. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blinds, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus is talking about the poor, prisoners, the blinds and the oppressed. Jesus' heart is for those in need. And we see that very clearly in this miracle. He doesn't move away from those in need and stay celebrating in the heart of Jerusalem. He doesn't view them from a distance. He moves towards them because that movement towards those in need is at the very heart of who Jesus is. And the second thing I really want to draw out kind of naturally flows on from that. And that is that Jesus brings hope he hasn't just got this compassion. I mean, I have compassion, but I, a lot of the time I haven't got the power of Jesus. Jesus both has the compassion and the power to change. So Jesus sees this, this guy lying there amidst this desperate situation. And he knew that he'd been sick for a long time. Jesus knew his situation. And then he goes and asks quite a strange question. He asks him whether he wants to get well. 
Surely the answer is yes, of course. It's so obvious. I mean, he'd been disabled for 30 years. He was in a place of desperation where people renowned for being there to be heals, surrounded by other people in a similar situation. And then Jesus asks, do you want to get well? Well, it seems a bit ridiculous because everything else about this man says, yeah, yeah, of course. But, but what this question does and the man's response shows really is just how helpless and hopeless this man's situation is. He responds to Jesus' question by saying, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down instead of me. In other words, yeah, I want to be healed, but I can't. I've been trying for nearly four decades. I've, I've tried everything. And now, when I want to get into the water, when that event happens, I want to be healed, but... I lack the ability to be able to even get there. I haven't got anyone to help me. I've given up. I haven't got any hope left, really. This guy probably would have been really desperate. And it's fairly, fairly poignant that when Jesus comes up and asks this question, Jesus is actually the one who's bringing hope, and this guy doesn't realise it. This guy is probably thinking and hoping that, oh, here's a man. He might be able to help me get into the pool. Because this guy is so, so concentrating on what the pool might be able to do for him. But Jesus walks up, and Jesus is the one that is bringing hope. And Jesus is bringing hope into this hopeless situation. And then we see, this, see the result of this um, as we move on to the actual miracle. And if you blink, you might miss the miracle because it's so brief and so quick the guy responds saying, oh, I haven't got anyone to help me. And then Jesus says, simply, go, get up, walk, take your mat, do it, and, and it's done. 38 years. 38 years of desperation, of hopelessness, and in a few short words, bam, everything is changed. We see that Jesus' healing is immediate, and it is totally comprehensive. As most of you know, my, my arm was in a cast up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and as soon as the cast came off, um, I was relieved. I was really relieved. But there was still quite a lot of soreness and quite a lot of pain that went with it. I hadn't used the muscles in my wrist or my arm for about seven weeks. The tendons hadn't been stretched. The joints hadn't been moved. And that was painful when I started to do that again. And so I was given a, a list of exercises to do, to stretch, to strengthen muscles, to get full movement back. And I'm still doing them because it will be a fairly long process. But here, we see that Jesus heals the disability both, both immediately, but also completely. He brings this guy back to complete physical wholeness. He doesn't have any signs of a person who hasn't been able to walk for nearly four decades. He didn't need to have months or months and months or if not years of physio to, to get everything back to where it needed to be, to strengthen the muscles, to stretch the tendons, to uh, oil the joints. He didn't need any of that. Everything was in full working order. There was no half measures. 
And so we learn that the healing that Jesus brings has the power to heal not just over a period of time, although he does do it that way too, but here he heals immediately. And not just a little bit, but his healing has power to bring complete restoration to our bodies. And so we see these three things. We see, we see Jesus' heart for the broken in this passage. We see that he brings hope to the hopeless. And we see that his healing is immediate and comprehensive. It's total. But, but this passage, there's a question that's been bugging me um, about this passage as I've been preparing for this over the last week or so. And, and that is that, why didn't Jesus heal everybody? around the pool. When, when Steve introduced this series um, last Sunday, he mentioned a couple of passages where, where Jesus goes around and he heals everybody. Matthew 15, a crowd of sick people, disabled, blind, dumb, Jesus heals all of them. Mark 6, all who touched him were healed. That's everybody. And now, because of those things, we believe and we know that Jesus has the power to do that. And it's in his nature to do that. And yet, even though he's in a place full of desperation and people who need healing, he only healed one. And the short answer to my question is, I don't really know. I don't really know why Jesus only healed one. But Ken helpfully kind of explored some of that stuff this morning in talking about how miracles are signs. Miracles point people to something else, and they point people to Jesus. And that was really, really helpful. Um, and what this question did, the question that's been bugging me, it pointed me to, to what we're told about the kingdom of God, something that Steve's, Steve shared a little bit about this evening as well. So throughout Jesus' ministry, we're, we're given great glimpses of what the kingdom of God is going to be like. His teaching and his miracles show that in the kingdom of heaven, everything is restored. Everything will be made whole. Everything, not, not just one thing, not just one person, Everything. But the reality is that, that even here, when God himself was walking among people, the time had not yet come for all things to be totally restored. And the same is true right now. In the time that we live, we're still waiting for the great image in, uh, in Revelation 21 where it says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. For the old order of things has passed away. We're waiting for that time. The old order of pain, disease, sickness. And that is something that we hope for. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we have the concept that, that Steve's mentioned already of the now and the not yet. We can see glimpses of God's kingdom. But the fullness of his kingdom, where everything is restored and made right, is yet to come. Um, some of our ladies are going through a really helpful book called Naturally Supernatural called, um, uh, by Wendy Mann. Um, I've, only read glimpse, I've only read parts of it, um, but I'm probably going to read all of it now because the bits I have read have been really, really helpful. Um, and she, she talks um, a lot about the concept of being healed and the concept of that and that being joined with the, um, the concept of the now and not yet of the kingdom of God. So I just want to read a little bit to you because I found it really, really helpful. Um, so Jesus is going to make all things new. But as we wait for that day, we live in this in-between time. 
God's kingdom has come, is here, and is continually advancing, but is not yet here in all its fullness. When some people teach about the kingdom, they overemphasize the not yet. Understanding there is a not yet aspect to the kingdom is really important. It helps us realize we will not always see the breakthroughs we are asking God for this side of heaven, which enables us to navigate disappointment well. Understanding the, the not yet of the kingdom is really helpful, but overemphasizing it above the now is wrong. That statement and the concept of the kingdom we should see as, as a whole, not just an entire, not just, not just parts of it. All of this means that while there may be disappointments when we don't see people healed, we should still carry on and still be seeking God for healing. We need to continually remind ourselves not to slip into the way of thinking where we're only living in the not yet part, where the kingdom has not yet come in its fullness. Instead, we need to see the concept as a whole. It is both now and not yet. We need to consciously emphasize and build faith for the now. The kingdom hasn't come in all its fullness, but it has come in part, and it is advancing. We have the same spirit that was upon Jesus when he was performing his miracles, and that is a spirit of power. We also, we share in the command that Jesus gave to go and heal the sick. And then we also are told in John 14 that we'll do even greater things than Jesus did on the earth. So when you add all these things up, add all these things together, and grasp the entirety of the now and not yet concepts of the kingdom of God, and not just the not yet part, all of these things mean that we should be continually seeking God for healing and expecting results. So I, I just want to finish with a couple of things to challenge us in light of what I've spoken about. So we see that this passage teaches us, firstly, about Jesus' heart for the broken and those with no hope. We know that Jesus' whole purpose and his mission was, was focused on those in need. And he was a guy in need. He'd been disabled for nearly 40 years. His situation was completely hopeless until he met Jesus. So this evening we're going we're to go into a time of prayer um, after this. It would be really good to pray for these, anybody that you know or maybe anybody who's here um, who might be in that situation, similar situation, someone who's lost all hope, who's tried everything, who's tried every possible thing that they can think of that's going to get them out of the situation that they're in. It might be, might be physical illness, it might be something else. But what we know from this passage and from the nature of Jesus is that he can give hope to those in the most desperate of situations. And he can transform those situations in the blink of an eye. And I also want to challenge all of us, really, in terms of what I've been talking about the kingdom. A lot of the time we have a... I know for me, a lot of the time, I, I probably have a tendency to err on the side of the not yet part of the kingdom and sit there quite comfortably but that statement in, in its entirety is now and not yet I want to challenge us where we are in relation to the kingdom of God there is a very real 
now aspect to the kingdom. We've seen that this morning. Saw that this morning in terms of the testimonies that, that a couple of people gave about healing. Yes, there is a not yet part, but there is also a now part, and we need to build faith for that. We need to build ourselves into that and keep reminding ourselves that there is that element to the kingdom of God. And also remind ourselves that we have the promised Holy Spirit of power with us. And we also have the commands and the promises of Jesus to go out and do the same.